Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome to another episode of Disciple Making. I'm Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Ride. And today, Darren, we're going to be talking about, I don't know about you, but when I look in the local church, I don't see a lot of disciples being multiplied naturally. You know, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Uh, what's your sense in terms of what's going on? Uh, any bottlenecks you might have observed in the local church over the course of your, you know, tenure as a pastor? Well, you know, it's funny, as you were asking that question just now, I, I recalled a, a quote I heard about G.K. Chesterton, where there was an article in some paper about what was wrong with the world and questioning what's all wrong. And he replied with a letter to the editor saying something along the lines of, I am. <laughs> and, and when I look at bottlenecks to disciple making, I mean, I've been a pastor in ministry, you know, of some kind for over 30 years. And it wasn't until I was in ministry as a pastor right, that I even wrestled through what a disciple is, which we talked about last time, That's right. much less how to be a disciple, much less how to make a disciple. And I still feel like I'm in the middle of that journey and still, you know, figuring out a, what a disciple is and how to make a disciple, how to, how not just to reproduce, but multiply uh, myself through that. And so uh, one of the bottlenecks, we, I don't want us to come off as, you know, being, you know, shaking a big stick, like we got all figured out. Uh, but a lot of us in leadership have not figured it out, what it means to follow and, and even what the target is. I think that's a bottleneck for sure. Yeah, you know, when you, when you talk, talk about a target, it's been my impression, you know, through my 30 years of uh, pastoral experience and then coaching dozens of uh, churches over the past 15 years, that I get a sense that we have the finish line at the wrong place hmm. <laughs> in, in terms of church ministry. Uh, it would appear that we are configured in the local church to basically try to get people to evangelistic outreach or alpha or whatever. If we could only get people across the line of faith, right. Then we're done. Yes. And because of that, uh, it's been my observation. Uh, we've got a lot of people sitting around kind of bored in the church, waiting for Jesus to come back mm. because I'm over, I've crossed the line. Uh but unfortunately, I don't see that in the teaching of Jesus. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're 100 right. I mean, he called to something more than a moment in time. I, I, you know, the change of mind and change of heart. We call that repentance and faith, but it's beyond that. Well, that's the starting point, as far as I'm concerned, uh, in terms of becoming more like Jesus. Uh, I think, and, for, and I want to say this really respectfully, but I think in the, the local church today, the evangelical church, we have a lot of SOBs. I want to tell you what I mean when I say SOBs. I yeah, mean, I want to know. Come on. Spiritually obese believers. <laughs> uh, the, the, there's a certain mentality uh, where people said, you know, I, I, have you ever heard people come out of church on Sunday morning? So I, I didn't get fed this morning. I guess referring I've had to me uh, as they left my church, not just on well, hopefully not about you or me. But uh, there's this expectation that that when people go to church, uh, they're going well. They give their money, they they tithe, they, but they're they're expecting something in return. Mm-hmm. And I believe the majority of those in our churches today are always looking for the next lesson, mm-hmm. uh, the next study, 
And and we've had so many, they're just going around the block spiritually, to be honest with you, because they don't realize that becoming a disciple involves, is inherently and inextricably bound Hmm. to activities of spiritual multiplication. Yeah. Well, well, you, you talked about expectations. I mean, if there's a bottleneck, even if you're a pastor or a Christian leader who wants to be a disciple who makes disciples, the expectations of what should be happening in a local church yeah. often mitigate against that. The expectations do not align with what it means to be a disciple or make a disciple many times. And so we're in this straitjack of expectations where Sunday's always come and there's an expectation of certain level of teaching and music and everything else. And it may or may not contribute to making disciples, but we better produce that. I think most churches, um, when someone comes to the church, if they can get them in a small group, then they, they, you know, the pastor, okay, so socially they're connected. And to be honest with you, pastors are just so dog tired and busy. Mm -hmm. Just running things, dealing with all the challenges and families through counseling and uh, they're just overwhelmed and overworked, but I do not believe that's an excuse for being an example to the flock of what a disciple maker is. I, I have to ad- admit that the, the reason I only really caught the fire of this in my in my soul the last few years is because God confronted me specifically with the lack of disciple making mm-hmm. in my life, in my pastoral career. Now I've led people to the Lord and I've discipled them, but not to the point where they go and disciple someone else and train them how to do likewise. So, so therefore, you know, the, the entire system uh, basically is self-perpetuating that, you know, we need people and we need their money to keep the buildings and the programs going. And unfortunately, uh, every church has a life cycle. And uh, when you lose the vision and get into the management mode of just keeping things or trying to bring back the good old days, yeah. Uh, we slowly die spiritually because we aren't making disciples that make disciples. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned pastors and I'm a, I'm a pastor, you're a pastor, and we have lots of pastor friends, young and old, who are, like you said, they're dog tired. The expectations are a load. The demands are high. And, and the focus on Sunday, I think, is a big part of that. Like, it's a lot of work to preach a knockdown message every week, and most of us can't pull that off. And a lot of, you know, in a lot of churches... The majority, I would say in a lot of cases, 80% of the time, energy, money, volunteerism goes towards the weekend event. And it, it leads to this really weird adrenaline thing in your life where, you know, as a pastor, where you just build, build, build the Sunday and then boom, you're flattened and, you know, you're, you know, lying on the floor, fetal position, sucking your thumb for 24 hours to kind of recover for the rest of the week. And it's just, it's just tough. And, and that Sunday centric ministry, weekend centric, um, can really make it hard to break into a disciple-making pattern. Yeah. You know, when, when you look at the life of Jesus, and after all, we are his disciples, hmm. and if we are to follow how he made disciples, you know, there came a point after he associated uh, with them that he called them to step up into ministry with him. Hmm. You think in Matthew 4, when he called out to those fishermen, uh, you know, come follow me and I will make you into well, I will teach you how to fish for men. That's what one translation yeah. says. <laughs> yeah. So it was a wonderful word picture because those guys, well, I sort of hesitate saying they knew how to fish because every time we see the disciples in a boat, their nets are always coming up empty. But uh, they, this was their profession and they knew how to fish. And now here's one, uh, this Jesus 
who they had known basically for probably a year and a half. Most people think that Jesus called them at the beginning of his ministry. And I know it's at the beginning of the gospel account. But if you look at the life of Jesus, this was probably halfway through his ministry. He called them to step up. Hmm. And uh, within a few weeks and months, he's sending out the 12. And then at another occasion, he sent out the 72. Well, that means there's 60 more disciples that have joined. (laughs) And I just say that to say this, you know, if we were to start off again uh, with a new model in the church, and if you knew every year or two years, if you discipled someone, they would go and disciple someone else. Hmm. And that cycle would be continued. It's called multiplication. Yeah, It's called multiplication. And, you know, two becomes four, eight, 16, 32, 56. You know, by the time Jesus uh, ascended to the heaven, there were hundreds of followers hmm. that he had spent before his ascension, 40 days talking about the matters of the kingdom. That's Acts 1, verse 3. And then they were released. The Holy Spirit came and kaboom. Yeah. Uh, no looking back. Unfortunately, in the local church today, uh, we've lost that timing and rhythm in what Jesus really came to show us what to become and how to do. It's in the Great Commission, right? Yeah. Well, and again, you've you've said it in the past, and you know, it's one of the the phrases I recall from things I've heard from you is, you know, you need to be one to make one. Yeah. And you know, as a pastor, if I'm being run off my feet, living in an unhealthy, unbalanced life, responding to the expectations of others, even though I'm a pastor, and and again, I was that kind of pastor. Yeah. You could challenge the fact that I'm following Jesus because that doesn't look like following Jesus. I mean, Jesus even said, follow me, take up my yoke. It fits you and it's sustainable, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the challenge. How do you change where we are now? If we were to to, uh, challenge the status quo, how do we return to really obeying what Jesus commanded us? Like this is a command. Mm. Uh, when we're commanded, uh, I think we're expected to follow. I always believe that God never commands anything of us without giving us the resources to follow. Uh, with the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Based on that, go into the world and make disciples. Hmm. You know, it's funny. There's more emphasis in the church to get baptized. And people say, you know, it's a matter of obedience to be baptized. But the actual command in that commission is to make disciples. To mm-hmm. make disciples. Yeah. And it's all about obedience. Yeah. And because of that, I think we need to revisit uh, the fact that the Great Commission wasn't given to church leaders or church boards or church programs. I, I, I joked on another podcast, uh, if you were to visit a farm, a sheep farm, farms do not produce sheep. Huh. Sheep yeah. produce sheep. Yeah, and and uh, farms are a wonderful place for sheep to be fed and nurtured and cared for. But it's in the local church. Church programs don't produce disciple makers. Mm. uh, And that has become a bottleneck. So we try to keep the programs going. They become silos. And, uh, uh, you know, people don't want to let go of what they're good doing. Uh, There's a lot of passion there. But I just don't see a lot of passion in the local church. Yeah. uh, To become a disciple making. Yeah, and I know, and and our intent ultimately, Tim, of course, in this in this podcast, is to address that and how do we how do we fix it? Because as we've talked in the past too, there's no great 
there's no real gift in finding out what's wrong. It's really the solutions that come around. But so just as we as we move towards landing, let's say I'm a I'm a pastor, I'm a Christian leader, just a follower of Jesus in my life, and I want to take the yep. first step to being yep. a disciple who wants to make disciples. I want to break out of being just a Christian and be a follower of Jesus, a reproducing, multiplying follower. Yep. What's the very first thing I should do? Yeah, well, basically you fall on your, your knees before Jesus and make sure you're actually following him. Mm. Uh, it's a love relationship. Uh, as you said, unless you're living it, you can't lead it. Mm. So I'd say that's the first thing. Uh, I'll give you two more things. Number two, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. That means uh, if we're truly following Jesus, we look and see people uh, through his eyes. Mm. Do they know him personally? Uh, you know, there's different stages of, of uh uh, spiritual growth, and I'm sure we'll cover this in a, another podcast, but is someone like a babe in Christ, a child, an infant? You know, Paul says, uh, I can't give you meat. I have to keep giving you milk because you haven't grown up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are those who need to be challenged to step up, not to get busy in church, but to understand what it means to follow Jesus in become a disciple maker. Now, in terms of the local church, so this is where my passion is. And uh, I'd be happy to, to send uh, people uh, an exercise. You just email me at, can't forget this one, I make disciples at gmail.com. And I will send you a tool that I've built. It doesn't take long, but it's a scenario as if a new family were to come to your church this weekend, Darren. And after church, uh, they're going to say to you as pastor, we've just moved to town. In the last place, you know, we went at Christmas and Easter. That sort of gives you a clue to where they might be spiritually. Got two teenage kids in an elementary. But we want to start coming every week. Every week. Because something's missing and we want our kids to learn to be good people. Hmm. So here's that's the case uh, study. Here's, here's the challenge. Uh, where do you want them to be in two years from now? Hmm. Uh, and then what programs do you have in your church? where it would lead them there from good intentions to actually allowing this to happen through what you're offering at the church. I've done this with dozens of churches. I divide groups of leaders into groups of three. I ask them these questions and it's amazing when they come back after half an hour and put up their plans on the wall, all the gaps that are there Mm. with assumptions and uh, oversights and they just had never thought through it before because we cannot set aside the church it's the body of christ and the body of christ is the vehicle the body the organization by which we can accomplish this because two are better than one we, we need to do this mm-hmm. with each other but if we don't know how this works personally and then how it can work through the programs of our church. I don't think we'll ever get close to figuring this out. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I, I want to just land on what you said at the start, to fall on our knees. If, if we want to make a shift personally as a leader, as a follower of Jesus ourselves, you know, I, I think the, the self-examination prayer at the end of Psalm 139 is useful in a lot of contexts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And to pray that prayer, you know, under the umbrella on the topic of, Lord, how am I doing as a follower of you, calling others to follow you with me? And start, and, and the Spirit answers that prayer and begins to point things out. And I think it, you know, we want to deal with ourselves in the heart level before we start 
coming down with grand plans for, you know, our church, our organization or others. And I know that's for me, that's been the starting point for a lot of changes. Just asking the spirit to deal with me very personally and specifically and directly. And I would encourage, you know, Christian leaders, followers of Jesus to do that in relation to this high calling of being a disciple who makes disciples. I think it's more than just a calling. As we said, it's a command. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of my professors years ago, he says, you know, when we get to heaven and the Lord meets us at the pearly gates, he's going to say to us, like, what were you doing down there? <laughs> like, I gave you this command. And, and to be honest with you, I think a lot of pastors are more fearful of being accountable to their board or their denominational leadership mm. in the arts of the Lord, in obeying mm. this. And it's been wonderful for me as I've shared my heart with pastors over the years. Uh, I shared it with one fellow and uh, I said, so how do you receive uh, what I'm saying? I challenged him to be obedient to this great commission. He said, well, around uh, 10 minutes ago, I I was sort of getting a spiritual spanking by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Because he realized he was just keeping the wheels turning at the church. And so it's a bit of an awakening, I believe, that has to happen. Yeah. Uh, this isn't driven by guilt, but by the pleasure that we'll bring God. And, and to be honest with you, when you become a disciple maker, something happens to you spiritually. Mm-hmm. Just because you see people coming to Jesus and growing in Jesus and then desiring to go out, go out and help others find Jesus and become mature. And there, there's nothing like that experience, but I think too many Christian leaders have settled for second best. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many things we could build on what you just yeah. said there about the courage needed to make disciples, the joy of disciple making. There's there's just so many layers, and I, I know we'll, we'll plan to explore those in the future. Uh, but for now, if, if anybody wants to unpack things more specifically, you again, uh, you've mentioned your email. Why don't you share that again? Yeah, it's just very simply, I make disciples at gmail.com. How, how do people get in touch with you, Darren? Well, they could they could email you yeah. <laughs> and ask for my contact, or they can find me at darrenride.com. And uh, maybe we'll have a link in the show notes on this, wherever that is. And uh, that's probably good for today, Tim. Should we land her there? Yeah, that's right. Uh, now, your name, Darren, has one R and Wright has a W, right? Yeah, it's D-A-R-E-N and W-R-I-D-E. It's kind of messed up. I once I was once in a canoe race and, and won some money in far northern Saskatchewan, was given a check to Daryl Wright. That's right. That's what they thought my name was. And uh uh, fortunately, it was on a reserve, and I, it was a band check, and I took it in, and they cashed it for me with no problem. Anyway, so, anyway there's a rabbit trail for you. Yeah, uh, this is Yeah, thanks for joining with us for another uh, episode on disciple making. I'm uh, Tim Beadle with my friend Darren Wright, and until next time, may God richly bless you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.